So today I just wanted to talk about creating a birth plan that is a healthy and productive use of your time while you're going through your third trimester, while you're thinking about postpartum, and understanding your steps in order to make a successful uh, labor plan. Um, Now I want to emphasize that this is a plan, you know, things go crazy. Um, I really hope that you like my points that I have in this podcast, namely that you are in charge of how it it is supposed to be written, but that there are factors that you have to consider that we don't always think about. Like, hey, you're going to be kind of busy in the middle of this whole process. So um, I hope that you like it. Welcome to the New Mom Doc Podcast, where we dive headfirst into the beautiful chaos of motherhood. I'm Dr. Kaylin Galloway, your host and fellow new mom. Join me as we navigate the sleepless nights, endless diapers, and the roller coasters of emotions that come with this crazy journey. In each episode, we'll tackle the real struggles of pregnancy, postpartum, and everything in between. I'll share practical tips, heartfelt stories, and expert insights to help you thrive in this new chapter of life. With a mix of humor, empathy, and evidence-based advice, we'll explore ways to prioritize your mental health and find joy amidst the chaos. So grab your cup of coffee, put on your headphones, and get ready to embrace the adventures of motherhood. So here we go. Um... Today, I wanted to talk about birth plans. I feel like there's a lot of information out there around how to start a birth plan, how to create a birth plan, what needs to be in the birth plan, and there's like a lot of conversations around making the right decision, making a very clear expectation, making sure that you have informed consent and that you're making the choices that you want and you're not being forced into a decision based on convenience or fear and so I kind of wanted to go into why I think that there is a healthy and then a not so healthy way of creating birth plans I mean I feel like we've (laughs) we've created this idea that you have to have this perfect plan and I feel like it causes a lot of anxiety um it created a lot of anxiety for me I started out in my pregnancy really hoping that I would be able to do, and I laugh now, but I really wanted to be at an outpatient birth center. And I wanted to have, you know, the stereotypical unmedicated, you know, natural birth at home, whole sort of amazing experience, and that's what I wanted. Um... It really didn't fit me, if I'm really being honest. I'm not that sort of person to do that. Not that you have to, you just have to be a very special person to be able to handle it that way. And my pregnancy had a lot of complications. So every single time I'd have something else pop up, I'd be forced to have to go through and change my plan. And every single time I changed my plan because of what was necessary for the safety of me, Um, for my mental health and for a bunch of different reasons that were very particular to me and my physician and our plan, I had to mourn the loss of another plan. I had to mourn the loss of the 
pregnancy that I wanted. And so going back and looking at it, I just feel like there's a lot of things that need to be addressed in birth plans that aren't just, what do you want? Because in an ideal world, you get exactly what you want. You get the world. You get like the perfect pregnancy, perfect labor, where you're just like, this is a gorgeous experience and I had zero pain. And that's just not the world we live in. Labor hurts. So, um... And there are amazing, beautiful women that are able to do that. And there's amazing, beautiful women that are able to have C-sections. And I'm one of those belly birth mamas. Um, and I found my birth to be magical in and of itself. So even if something goes wrong, it's still possible to have a beautiful birth. And I was a very much an example of that as I went through the pregnancy process and as I labored with my child. So number one, I wanted to say is that birth plans are a loose plan. They're an outline of how you wanna prepare for the journey. And I would emphasize the word of prepare, meaning plan out what you want, but also know exactly what you don't want. When I talk about plans, boundaries, guidelines, what I typically do is say, what are my closed fist boundaries? Meaning, I am absolutely not budging. I will never do that. Also, be careful when you say that because that's usually the target. Um, <laughs> you will have to hold that one up. And then what are things that are a negotiation based on necessity? Meaning, what are things that I'm willing to consider and where where's the line of when I'll show them up? So, for example, for me... I had a cold-hearted, absolute closed fist on C-sections. I was like, I'm not getting one. That's just not okay. They're unnecessary. They don't, they don't, I don't need one. Don't make me get one just because my child's too big, which is a lot of the debate going into my third trimester was that my child was in the 96th percentile. I was gestational diabetic, so I ended up having a lot of insulin, so the chances of him being a very large baby and getting shoulder dystocia was high though that was not the reason why I chose to do a c-section I chose to do a c-section because I was to say exhausted it doesn't even compute I started to have padromal labor every four minutes from three 32 weeks and four days till he was taken out of me at 39 weeks and five days and I felt it every form I got a couple of breaks a couple of times but I had contractions that were painful I wasn't actually going into labor my cervix wasn't dilating I wasn't effacing but I was so tired I had so many false alarms I had been to the hospital so many times I had 14 kilograms of magnesium pumped into me over a 72 hour period. I laugh because I'm like, I've done kilos of magnesium. Kilos, guys. Um, <laughs> and I, I knew I couldn't handle labor. Couldn't do it. I was exhausted. And also did I mention that during this third trimester I was also in my third year of medical school? So yeah, I was, it was Zoom. A lot of things were done via Zoom, and I, you know, thank God for COVID. Never thought I'd say that. Um, 
I was in a lot of online uh, shifts, so seeing patients virtually, and I was um, doing a lot of didactic work online, so it ended up being very easy in terms of what it could have been, but being pregnant and sitting through classes, I, I don't recommend it, especially if you're going through labor pains that are just pointless. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. The whole point of it was that I created this like closed fist thing that I was like, I was never going to do it. And then it got to the point where it was like, I couldn't walk. I couldn't sleep. I could barely eat anything. He was so big. <laughs> I was miserable. So I had to take my plans and kind of unclench my fist and say, what is best for me? What is best for my son? And make a decision I didn't want to. So that I could do better for us in the long run because I wanted to be there for him. The second thing about that is that I also had boundaries of like when I would accept advice from a physician versus when I would accept advice from my husband, my doula, um, other practitioners in my care and I was very clear on the boundaries with those in my plan and I did not tolerate people that did not at least discuss with me any issues. So hearing in the background, what is going on in the background is my ice machine was trying to get water out of the basin and there wasn't any left, which is kind of an inside joke in the house is that I constantly am trying to make ice because I'm addicted to ice water. I know Chinese medicine says that's a very bad thing to drink, but I can't help it. I love it. Anyway. My husband laughs at me because that thing is always on and it always starts to like crash the ice out when like Orion or the cat have just started sleeping and it ruins the whole thing. But anyway, I digress. It's off now. The second lesson is that it's okay to have a feeling of being sad, mad, annoyed, or whatever emotion you do feel about not getting what you want in your birthing process. And so what I said in the beginning of this podcast was like, you know, I had to process every time my birth plan changed. I had to go through a mourning process where I did the five stages of grief over and over and over again. And the first part of it, of going through all those things, is that you have to be able to sit in the uncomfortable feeling of knowing that you've just lost something that you planned on having that was precious for you. And there's a lot of changes that happen in pregnancy. There's a lot of changes that happen as a mom that every single day I have to sit there and I have to think, that's not how I wanted it to go. This is not what I want right now. But this is, this is where we're at. And it's okay that I'm upset about it. But we're going to sit here with that feeling, move through it, and then get on with it. Or in that moment, I can say, I'm mad about it right now. I don't have time to deal with it. And this is like a quick in the head sort of a thing. You know, not a long, drawn-out process. And have to move through that feeling of being super uncomfortable with making the mental shift in my head to go a different path that I don't actually want to go down. And trust me, whether you have the perfect pregnancy or you have 
the most difficult roller coaster ride of pregnancy or postpartum. You will have moments in your life as a mother, as a parent, as a as a person on this world <laughs> of feeling like all your plans mean nothing. And I and I want to challenge that idea is that you're not you do not plan, you do not organize, you do not create a structure in your life for things to go perfectly. I had an interview in my undergraduate degree. I was interviewing to be a um, social media intern at the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> Name drop. I didn't get it. Uh, <laughs> but I had an interview. And I, I remember telling the, the interview, I, I bombed it because I love hockey. And I, I'm, I'm a hockey fan. I'm, I did not watch basketball then. Um, but I remember telling him, that I, it was two guys, I remember telling them, like, I am the most organized and well-structured and clearly laid out person. I prepare and I prepare and I prepare and I put buckets into buckets and I, I know how to systemize plans and I, and they were like, I don't think you're a good fit. Like, they literally kind of said that during the interview. They're like, you know, like, this whole thing can be super chaotic and distracting and like, things are going on in real time and you're having to do like make changes and work plans and it's not going to be organized at all and I was like but that's where I'm gonna have to disagree with you is that I don't organize so that I can be on top of it and everything's perfect and I'm like neatly in place I organize to increase my efficiency so that I'm able to take action even in chaos so when you're making plans for your birth plan, when you're making a plan for labor, when you're deciding the things that you want to do or you don't want to happen to you, you're creating a guidepost for yourself in a time of utter chaos, a time where you're going to be literally in agony, thinking about something else, literally only thinking about, oh my God, is this ever going to end? You're creating a plan so that you know what, you're gonna, what your heart wants. And then lastly, that brings me to the last point, is that you're not going to be in a place to mentally think about what your needs and wants are. You're going to be in a place of internalization, hopefully, you know, being able to sit with your thoughts and be present in the birthing process and in, in the pain and discomfort and in the internal consideration or deep um what's the word I'm looking for you're gonna be in the moment you're gonna be right there with your body as it does what it's supposed to do in the exact way it's supposed to do it but you're not gonna be there thinking about all the other things going on in the room and like all the steps and where the car seat is and where all the things you know just what like you're gonna be too absorbed in your own self as you should be and so you really do need people to advocate for you and the only way you can do that is if you have a plan for what you want versus what you don't want you need to be clear on what your open-handed uh, you know boundaries are like what are you willing to cave on and what is your absolute hell no what are you like I am not budging this is not happening to me unless there's an emergency now I'm gonna say this right here right there if there is an emergency and it ends up being 
your life or the child's life at hand and you're not making that you're probably going to have very little room to have a chance to make any sort of consent because you're going to be in an emergency situation things are going to go fast they're not going to go the way you want them to go but have a plan for that create a plan in your head if that happens this is what i'll do and this is kind of like a bonus thing that i wanted to say is that create a plan in your mind for when things don't go the way you want them to go what is like the ultimate plan for chaos it's actually one of the steps that you do in cognitive behavior therapy when you go to a counselor or um, in a lot of different therapeutic settings. If you're allowing yourself to plan for the worst case scenario, it becomes a lot less anxiety inducing. It becomes a lot less traumatic because you know your body was like, what's the worst thing that could happen here? What's the worst thing that could happen? And can I survive that? Probably, probably. What am I actually afraid of? And it makes you address the fears and the problems that you're really kind of frustrated by that you don't realize. So I would recommend that you, for a short, brief period, and with the help of a doula or a counselor or your doctor if they actually have time, a midwife, even your husband, um, a best friend, like there's so many people, but I would do it with someone else so that you don't get down a rabbit hole and go down Google and freak yourself out but just think about it like what if it what if I cannot like you know what if I can't handle the pain and labor when is it gonna be when's my tap out point you know what is what is the tap out point and then like you know if it ends up being that the safest thing is for us to have a c-section even though this is not what I want when what is the tap out point what is the what is the seesaw What is the worst case scenario and what are our action steps for that? And then lastly, all of these absolute worst case scenarios, you need to have a plan for what you're going to do when the baby gets here because you're going to be so soaked up with those oxytocin, how learning how to breastfeed if you choose to breastfeed, learning how to manage sleep and remember to eat and remember to do all the things that are not tied directly with keeping that little cute sack of potatoes alive. Um, You need to have an action step for who you're going to call, whether that be a counselor or a friend or whatever is in your capability um, or a postpartum group. There's a lot of groups in a lot of major metropolitan areas where moms that are new, usually it's sponsored by hospitals, so ask your hospital for resources of like, who am I going to reach out to so that I know I can process how I wanted it to go and how it actually went and what my emotions are. What are you, what are, what are you getting out of it? What did you, what did you learn? What are you still really, really upset about? And just feel those emotions, cry, get mad. I had a lot of things about my child's birth and the early postpartum period that it did not go the way I wanted it to go. In fact, it really did feel like every time I went to the doctor, something else was going to go wrong. And this was during COVID. So like, I couldn't bring my husband with me. I couldn't bring him with me. And so I would end up getting so petrified. (laughs) 
what I ended up getting, I don't even know what that noise was. I got a noise in my computer. I don't know what it was. But anyway, I ended up getting so petrified that I wouldn't want to go to the doctor to check up on my baby because I'd be so afraid that I would have to look at an ultrasound and see something else wrong. That's a horrible thought process. So just kind of remember that you should probably have a plan, not just for the birth itself, but for after the birth. Anyway, I really hope this suited you. I hope it served you. I hope you learned something. Um, if you have any questions, give me an email at thenaturopathicdoc at gmail.com. And I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you for joining me on this incredible journey through the New Mom Doc Podcast. Remember, you're not alone on this wild adventure called motherhood. I hope that you enjoy this episode that brought practical, valuable insights and a sense of community. As we wrap up, remember to prioritize your self-care, lean on your support system, and embrace the beautiful messiness of being a mom. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Your feedback means the world to me, and it helps other new moms discover this podcast. And as always, remember, you're an incredible, loving, and capable mom. Together, we're rewriting the book on motherhood and empowering each other to thrive. 